Well, you probably heard by now, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes. But, but listen, if, if you're not really rich, they're not going to affect you. That's what he says. Although if you look at it, I think uh, last I checked, the threshold for the income tax raise, rate raise that, that he's pro- proposing is actually about half what he campaigned on. No surprise there. And the, the big news last week, and I guess this week as well, was Mr. Joe Biden wants to raise capital gains taxes. So for folks like me who work in the real estate world, obviously that's something that would affect us greatly. Our wonderful wonderful governor here in Washington state is also proposing to raise your taxes. But, oh, but he took out real estate. Why? Oh, gee, because about 60% of people in Washington own a home. And so, so they didn't like that idea of having to potentially pay capital gains taxes on a home, especially here in Washington where home prices are skyrocketing. And for single people, there's a real chance they're going to make more than $250,000 selling that single family uh, residence. Or for married couples, they just might make more than $500,000 if they sell it. And none of those people want to pay taxes. And so they said, hell no. And guess what? The governor capitulated. Well, thankfully, because I'm in the real estate business and I think that that was the right move. But he says, oh, but we're going to tax this other thing over here, stocks, bonds, business sales, things like that. And, and it's the same pitch. It's the class warfare pitch. It's, hey, but only rich people are going to pay this thing. It's only rich people. We're going to take from the rich. We're going to give to the poor. We're going to Robin Hood it for you. And that's what I really want to talk about today. You know, Democrats have been saying this I, probably for the last 150 years, at least the last 100 years. And, and, and every time they say that we're going to raise taxes, we're going to take to the rich, we're going to give to the poor, it doesn't work. If you go back, there's a, there's a survey, a study, a research paper you can find online where they went back over the last 120 years and they looked at every time the federal government raised taxes, largely, what happened to revenue? And in every case, it stagnated or was reduced. And then they look, went and they looked at, well, what happens when you cut taxes? And in every instance every instance, tax revenue went up. And it's not a hard concept to understand for, I think, logical people, but for some reason, it seems really hard for these folks to understand. And and so they keep repeating the same mistakes. They keep expecting a different result. And on top of that, the thing that really chaps me the most with President Biden here and actually Jay Inslee, like in Washington, Washington, with the exception of COVID, right, before COVID, Washington was generating more revenue, tax revenue, than it ever had in in history. They had all the money that they needed to actually have a budget surplus if they would just be thrifty with how they spend those resources. But you know what they did? They said, no, we need more money because we want more programs. We want more programs where the government can promise to save you from the big, I don't know, the big scary monster that is life. We're gonna create more government programs And now we have the same thing, only on the federal side, it's way worse. Like in Washington, we had enough tax revenue to at least break even, but now they want to add more programs. So they got to come up with more taxes. It's a typical Democrat thing. And on the federal level, it's substantially worse than that. So in 2019, I'll share my screen here. This is Congressional Budget Office's uh, infographic. And it says that in 2019, we had about three and a half trillion dollars of revenues. We had $4.4 trillion of outlays. We we were almost a trillion dollars in the hole in 2019. 
That means we were spending almost a trillion dollars more than we were bringing in in 2019. Okay, so if you're gonna raise taxes, now mind you, this is before COVID. I think that the deficit this year is like $4 trillion. It's like double what we even bring in. And so if you were a logical person and you said, I need to raise taxes, it would be because, hey, guess what? I need to pay for all the stuff that we're spending money on that we don't even have enough money to, sp uh, to, to, to spend on now. But no, they wanna raise taxes to spend more money on more programs when we can't even afford the programs that we already have. And, and it's so crazy to me because they've actually gotten a lot of people in America to buy into this idea that we can just do that forever and there's never going to be any consequences. And they come up with bogus inflation charts like the CPI index. Listen, folks, go to the grocery store. Go to the lumber store. Go try and buy a house. Look at gas. I'm sorry, inflation is a hell of a lot more than 2.3 or 2.6 or 2.7%. And you should logically know that based on your own practical experience in your grocery store or wherever it is you're going to shop. And so they, they indoctrinate people to believe, frankly, a lie. And it's really unfortunate and it's really frustrating because, <clears throat> excuse me, here's the thing. Let's talk about capital gains taxes. They talk about it like, oh, it's these rich people, they're avoiding taxes, yada, yada, yada. And it's so stupid. So think about this. Let's say that you own a property and let's say that property is worth $5 million. Let's say you buy it for $5 million. And then let's say 10 years goes by and you wanna sell it. And let's say now it's worth, after all your closing costs, just so we have easy math here, let's say it's worth seven and a half million dollars. And let's say you didn't take any depreciation because we're going to keep it simple. So you got a two and a half million dollar gain. As it works right now, assuming you meet the criteria, you can take the two and a half million dollars and you can exchange it into another property. And you don't pay income taxes on the two and a half million when you do the exchange, okay? There are certain criteria you have to meet. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just trying to keep this simple. So you take the, so, so you sell a property for seven and a half million dollars. Now you go out and now you buy a property for $13 million. Uh, let's say $15 million. You double up $15 million property. The whole point is to do that again and again and again and again. And eventually, and I, people will, will say this doesn't happen, but that's a lie. Cause I watch it happen all the time. You get to a point where you're at an age most people where they're like, hey, listen, I don't want to deal with all this anymore. I, I, I want more passive income or I don't want to die and give these properties to my kids. So they sell them and they pay the taxes. That happens all the time. Sometimes, or, or maybe just as many times, they don't sell them, they die and they're inherited. And then it keeps on going until at some point somebody sells it whenever that is and they pay the taxes. Well, Oh, but that's tax avoidance and, and we have to stop that because all these other people are paying all this tax, which isn't really that true. And you're not paying any tax, which really isn't true. And, and it's ridiculous. And, and here's what I want to share with you. In real estate, in most cases, all the cash flow that's generated, all the distributions that you receive from, from the profits on an annual basis are taxed as ordinary income for most people, okay? They are taxed as ordinary income. They are not taxed at a lower tax rate, like a stock uh, dividend. They are taxed at ordinary income. And, and part of the exchange is that 
1031 exchange opportunities exist, right? Because if you own stocks that pay a dividend, also, I think that you have to meet certain criteria, but, but those dividends are taxed at a lower tax rate. In real estate, their tax is ordinary income. So we are paying taxes. We're paying taxes constantly every year, all the time. And they tell you that we don't, and it's a lie. Okay. Now, on top of that, give you an example. We manage a lot of apartment buildings. We manage several large commercial buildings. We have, well, we have multiple apartment buildings that are pretty large. And the property taxes in these properties are by far the highest expense of all expenses that we incur for each of those properties. Some of those property property taxes are $300,000, 200,000 annually. Okay. I understand that that money doesn't go to the federal government. It goes to the state and local government, but the reality is that's a lot of money. Okay. And so here's the deal. When you take the incentive away for from people to continue to build and create more property because they can exchange into those properties, what you're doing is slitting your own throat, metaphorically speaking, of course, in terms of tax revenue, you are literally cutting off future tax revenue for, for no good reason. Because what happens is this, and, and again, they'll lie to you. They'll say this is not true, but listen, I'm going through one of these right now. We have a property that we've been considering selling. The only way we would consider selling it right now today is if we can 1031 exchange it. Well, guess what? Now we have to wait and see if this happens. Cause if, if this law gets passed in any way, shape or form that would, would take away the ability to do a 1031 exchange, we won't sell it. And so we won't expand the economy because if we sold it, we would sell it for let's say 10 million and we would go buy something for between 15 and 20 million. That means that the economy would expand right? This economy is a Ponzi scheme in many ways. It's predicated on growth. And yet all these democratic policies that continue to be pushed and promises that continue to be made are all deflationary. And here's why. Here's the thing that I, I wish somebody out there would explain. So I'm going to try. I said this in a, in a past episode. We have to understand how to allocate capital and capital is not just money. There's human capital, labor, Skill, it's, it's a form of capital, it's a resource. Just like a commodity is a resource, just like money is a resource. We would call this different forms of capital, okay? So here's the deal. Let's say I'm gonna sell a property for 10 million. Let's say I have $5 million in profits. If I take the 5 million, I'm pretty good at knowing how to take the 5 million and reinvest it in something that will grow, okay? It will create more resource. That resource is then used to pay more people. It then is used by those people to spend money in their community to generate more tax revenue. Okay. That's how that works. But so let's say I'm going to take $5 million and I'm going to put it into something and I'm going to grow that investment. I'm going to grow that $5 million, that capital, that resource. And that resource, as it grows, I hire, I, I go out and I get a bigger property, which means that bigger property has more employees which means that bigger property has more tenants, which means that money, like I just stated, is then used to go do lots of different things that I couldn't do to the same degree with a smaller property, with less resource. That's how that works. Okay, well now, let's say I don't have $5 million anymore. Let's say I sell the property, I can't do a 1031 exchange, which I don't think I've mentioned this, but 
Yeah, I have. It's just where you sell one property, you buy another, you exchange them, and you forego, you defer the taxes. But now let's say I have to pay, let's just, easy math, half of it in taxes. I got to give our friends at the federal government two and a half million dollars. Here's the problem. When I take the money and I reinvest the money, I expand the capital. Not just the resource, not just the money, but also the human capital because I can employ more people. Those people can then go into the community, can spend money. I generate more property tax revenue. All these things are good. When I give the money to the government, they suck at allocating capital. Like, you think that Microsoft is bad at, at mergers and acquisitions? Like, they bought Nokia for $10 billion or whatever, and then, and then 10 years later or whatever, I don't remember how long exactly, but I think they did an $8 billion write-off, which means they bought a, a company and it was a bad acquisition because they didn't get their money back for it. They lost $8 billion-ish. Okay, well, that's like the government. They're worse than that. If I give them two and a half million dollars, as we can see from my screen that I shared with you, they don't know how to spend it properly. They don't know how to spend it in a way, like, okay, let me back up. They might spend it in a way that expands the economy. That's what a lot of these new school economists think. But practically speaking, they don't spend it in a way that expands the economy in any sustainable manner. They just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it because it's not their own money that they're putting at risk. And so what we see is we see every time that they want to raise your taxes, we see these great promises like, hey, we're going to give you free childcare. Well, I don't know what the plan is for free childcare, but if it looks anything like Medicare or the VA, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Right? There are better ways. There are better ways in the private sector to provide health care. We don't even have, and not even about that, we don't even have the money right now the way that we, we are going to pay for the things we already have. Like, I'm gonna share my screen again. You go back here and you look at the outlays. Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, between those is about $2 trillion a year. That's just three things that cost $2 trillion, which is like 65% or 60% of all the revenue that we bring in and we haven't even done anything yet. But if you look at payroll taxes, which is the real metric, because that should offset Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, I understand it's more nuanced than that. I get it. But $1.2 trillion coming in, $2 trillion going out the door. And yet we want to create more programs to provide more services when we can't even provide the services that we're supposed to be providing in an efficient manner. Folks, it's not sustainable. If you taxed, a, if you taxed every ultra-rich person 100% in this country, you could not cover the budget deficit. If you took 100% of the income of the top 1%, that's what they say, you could not cover the deficit. Guys, that doesn't work. That is not sustainable. We need a government that will rein in their waste. And I'm so sick and tired of people saying, oh, there's no waste. Well, listen, I live in Olympia, Washington, the state government seat. I know lots of state workers. I know like probably more than 100 people that work at the state. 75% of those people, when I talk to them, say that a lot of people in their office, some of them included, have nothing to do for half the day. Like there's, there's not enough to do. Or they've just got way too many, and I guess it's not or, it's at the same time. So that means they got way too many people working, way too many levels of bureaucracy. Is that a surprise to anyone? No, it's not. But if you come out and you say that you're, you're some evil person, Listen, 
I, if I ran my own house budget like that, I would be bankrupt. And that's where we're headed because we keep making promises that we can't keep. We made the promise of social security and Medicare and Medicaid and all this stuff. And we're failing at keeping the promise. And yet we're going to make another promise. Now we're going to give you free education and free higher education and free childcare. We can't even keep the promise we already made. What are we doing? This is stupid. It's dumb. And you know, what's dumber is taking a bunch of money from people and wasting it and blowing it and not being held accountable for it. That's even dumber because the government is awful at capital allocation. They're awful at human capital allocation. They suck at it. That's why we need a smaller government, not a bigger government. The government's supposed to protect our rights. That's their job. That's their role. Protect the rights of the people, not to provide everything for people. Right? Like we live in this culture. It's, it's, I, I, I think we are in Marx 2.0, Karl Marx 2.0. Right. We are experiencing today in America. So so during President Obama's term, in my from my perspective, we were in class warfare and we still are. But it's just not the headline as much anymore. It was like rich versus poor, rich versus poor, poor versus rich. Now, under Joe Biden, it's it's the race war, white versus everyone else. Folks, these things tear us apart. These things rip us apart. And they're more nuanced than any of these people will admit. And yes, there are, there are issues of racism. And yes, there are issues of rich people taking advantage of people who aren't rich. Yes. But that is not the norm. It's not the norm. And when we pit each other against each other, and that's what we do constantly, that's how you d destroy civilization. Go out, look at, look at history. Look at what Marx wanted to do. Look at the Communist Manifesto. Folks, that was the plan. That is the plan. The plan is create internal wars, make people hate each other, tear everything down, and then you can start over with this utopian dream. And guess what? Every time they've started over and they've implemented a utopian dream, people starve to death. People kill each other. It doesn't work out very well. And don't sit there. I hate it when people are like, oh, but look at Sweden and look at Norway and look at Denmark. It's like, well, listen, they're like smaller than most of our states. That's like saying, that's like comparing the way that Warren Buffett invests money and what returns he gets to some guy that's got a, a fund with $10 million in it. Yeah, it's real easy to invest $10 million and make way higher returns on your money than when you're investing, I don't know, $100 billion? It's not even a fair comparison. It's a joke. That's like saying, let, let's take Thurston County. <laughs> let's take Western Washington and compare it. You can't do it. On top of that, those societies, everybody pays taxes. Like I think the last I read, and I might be a little off here, Sweden's lowest tax bracket was like 27%. What do you think would happen if President Biden came out and said, hey, if you're poor, I'm going to tax your income at 27%. I'm going to do it like Sweden. We're going to really do this like Sweden and everybody's going to pay their fair share. You're going to pay 27% if you're, if you're making $30,000 a year. I don't think that would go over very well. Well, it doesn't fit the narrative. He would not get elected. He would not get reelected. Because in America, we're not actually talking about doing what Sweden's doing or doing what Denmark's doing. We're talking about doing what communists and, so, and real like socialist countries do. We're not talking about anybody paying their fair share. The top 1% of earners in America pay 80% of the income taxes. I'm so sick of hearing fair share. It's, it's a total joke. 80% by the top 1%? 
well, what do you think the fair share is? So I think when we look at all this, when we look at capital gains taxes, raising income taxes, we're coming out of what, I don't know if it's worse than the Great Recession. It's different. But we're coming out of a situation where things are challenging and where there's a lot of people that aren't at work and they want to raise taxes. Like the last thing we need right now is for people to have their taxes raised. We need people to be incentivized to create jobs and opportunity and bring us out of this hole. We need the government to tighten the belt to get our budget deficit under control. We need, I'm getting fired up again. It's like, okay, we need some honesty about monetary policy. They, they, they want to create class warfare. They want to tell you that all the problems in the world for people who aren't rich is because of rich people. Well, how about this? You know what the real problem for people who are on the, the bottom end of the socioeconomic spectrum is? It's called inflation, okay? If you made $35,000 this year, if you would have made that 30 years ago, you'd have been doing pretty good. But, but why is that so hard this year, today, to make it on? Well, gee, because everything costs more. Well, why is that? Well, because of inflation. Well, isn't inflation because rich people just want to make more money? Well, no, not really, actually. A lot of inflation, most of inflation, is driven by the current monetary policy. It's driven by creating all this money out of thin air and putting more and more and more money into the system, thereby creating more money that's available for not as much more stuff, which means the stuff gets more expensive. And that's a real simplistic way to, to say it. But the reality is what we should be doing is we should be pitting the politicians and their stupid policies as it relates to money against us. Because it's not us primarily doing it to each other. It's our government spending more money than it has to bring in. It's our government manipulating interest rates and manipulating the free market. It's our government doing all these things that's actually creating the increase in costs. Like, Folks, they shut the whole world economy down for a long time. And in many states in this country, you're still shut down. We're still shut down in certain ways. We're going back to phase two, I heard. But it's the rich guy's fault that things cost more. No, it's, it's, it's the fact that the government didn't weigh. Well, they did weigh. They picked which weight mattered more in regards to the economy and they chose to shut the economy down. And so now the supply chains are completely jacked up. And now there's a bunch of people that still won't go back to work because they're making more money or enough money, maybe not more, but they're making enough money sitting on their couch doing nothing, just getting free money that doesn't exist. That's being created out of thin air given to them by the government. And so what's happening? We have less goods available. We have less things being produced, but we have more money, like two times, three times more money in the market trying to buy those goods. Well, what does that do to the price? It's real simple. It's like, hey, people act like supply and demand is some f farce. Well, I don't know. If, if you had one house in your neighborhood or one house in your community and you had 30 people that wanted to buy it, well, that's what's happening right now. Does the price go up or does it go down? It's pretty simple. It's just economics. And I know that they want to tell you that two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. But the reality is if you have 30 people, trying to buy the same house, the house is more expensive. That is inflationary. That's what's happening in every sector across the dang globe 
and especially here for us in America. And that is a result not of rich people being greedy, but that is a result of, of idiotic governmental policy and stupid monetary policy. And we're being lied to and we're being fleeced and it's being, and we're being caused to not like each other. And we're being caught and we're being in the, in the result is that we have so many people believe, believing things that just frankly are not true. And I started this, this whole thing because in the beginning it was like, I want to speak to people who are in the middle because I think that we are being told something that all is not true. It's just not true that I don't think most people are radicals. I don't think most people are racist. I don't think most people are any of those things, but we're being told that everybody is a radical on one side or the other. And so I started this whole podcast or YouTube channel, whatever the heck you want to call it, because I, I just said, I don't think that's the case. I think most people are in the middle. And I think most people are sitting there going, what the hell do I, what can I do about this? This is insane. And what I find is if I don't go back to that, if I don't think about that reality, then I just start getting upset. I start getting combative. Uh, I probably don't represent my Christian faith very well when I let that happen. And so I always want to bring it back to, listen, this stuff is nuanced. And, and we could sit here and we could debate about it back and forth and back and forth. And that's good. We need that. We need that now more than ever. Like, seriously, folks, if you think about it, America, one of the things that you have a right to is a speedy trial. You have a right to face your accuser. You have a right to a jury of your peers. And I've been thinking about this a lot, especially as it relates to the vaccine and COVID and, and even stuff like this taxes. What is a trial? Like a trial is where two opposing sides present information and they cross-examine. They, 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 they kind of get to ask, well, what about this? And what about this? And, and they get to cross-examine their witnesses, each other's witnesses. And the whole purpose of the jury of your peers is because you want people who are like you in your community who you have to live with to make a decision based on all the evidence if you're guilty or not. That's what a trial is. That's what America, that's part of what America is founded on is, is the, the, based on biblical principles, mind you, is the seeking of truth. We're in a class war, we're in a race war, and we're definitely in a truth war. And you know the crappy part about it all? is you're not even allowed to have a trial anymore. You can't have two sides debating anymore. Why don't we have experts on, on both sides? And I don't mean like polar sides. I mean like, why don't we have experts giving us the pros and the cons and the this and the that in a debate, in a trial, if you will, so that we as educated, intelligent, people who have agency can make an informed decision instead of propaganda in one side and let's just get rid of the other side, whichever way that that goes. Because if, if, if America's going to work and if we're going to still stand for what made America great and what makes America great, then by golly, we should, 
we should be allowed to put just about every, we should be allowed to put everything on trial. Everything. If you don't believe me about anything I said here today, I'd love to have you on my show. Let's put it on trial. We can do it nice. We don't have to yell at each other. We can show the world that you can have differences of opinions. You can have different ideologies. You can have different worldviews. But you can have a conversation. You can put things on trial. And yet, look, let the best ideas win. It's like, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. But listen, why is it that when I take my kids into the doctor, and this is the real deal, I take my kids into the doctor, they want to give them a vaccine. They don't have to give me all the, all the side effects. They don't have to disclose all of that. They don't. And they don't give it to you unless you ask for it. But how come every drug commercial that you see on TV has to list the fact that you're going to die or you're going to get heart disease or whatever else it's going to be on the TV commercial? There's a reason for that. So anytime that something that should be brought to light is kept in the dark, I'm suspicious. Doesn't mean I'm anti. It means I'm suspicious. It means, hey, I don't think you should be keeping those things in the dark. So if you're willing to put them out on the table and we can have an honest conversation about what we're, we're all getting into here, I'll make an educated decision. But as long as you're not going to give me full disclosure, I'm out. I'm out until you're willing. And it's the same thing. You look at the medical profession, and I'm not dogging on medical professionals here, but like, hey, in my business, if I have a conflict of interest, you know what the state requires me to do? Disclose it. You know why? Because that's a good idea. Because you don't want people getting taken advantage of. You don't want people getting screwed. Not in the medicine. Man, in medicine, doctors can make money off of this or that. And I don't know, I'm not one of those people that is going to claim to know who's paying them and who's not. But my point is, I have never been given full disclosure at a doctor's office. And the only reason I bring all that up is to say, we need to fix that. It, we need to put things on trial. And I'm not saying we necessarily need a trial, but this is a trial. Like YouTube, uh, podcasts, all these things are little mini versions of trials. If we can have competing ideas debated about, talked about, bantered about, and then I believe that you, as a, as a person who has a brain, have the ability to make a logical decision. When we don't have the ability to make a logical decision, it's most of the time. Sorry, I just realized you've been staring at my screen this whole time if you're watching this on video, not me. So sorry about that. But I believe that if we're willing to put things on trial, people are smart enough to make logical decisions. And if we're willing to stop labeling each other with these horrible labels, we can start to mend what's broken. And I think that that is only going to happen if good people who are in the middle, who are reasonable, who are logical, who are kind to each other, step up. And that's why I do these. It's like I get, I get discouraged at times because I don't want to always talk about politics. I think I've said that every single time. But the reality is, is I don't know what else to talk about in our day with what's going on in the current events because it literally is ripping apart everything in this country. It really is. And I think most of it's because one side is just pummeling the other. They're, they're squelching free speech, debate. They're squelching trial. I don't think that's good. And I think the proof is in the pudding. 
I don't think America's getting better, folks. If all this stuff was supposed to work and it was supposed to make everything better, how come it's not, how, how come it's not getting better? Because it's a lie. This stuff doesn't make things better. Cultural Marxism makes things worse. Marxism makes things worse. It just does. So this is what I'm going to end on. I'm going to end on this because this is probably the number one challenge for me personally every day is how do you walk through all this? How do you have a passion about it? And yet not lose sight of the fact that in the midst of all this, God's in control. Because I believe that. I believe that, you know, the Bible tells, how, tells me it, how the story's going to end. And I believe that it's true. And, and you may not, and that's okay. But I, I do believe it's true. And I think that we're seeing all the signs. They're all lining up. All the things that, that, that the Bible says were going to happen as things came to a close are happening. So many of them are in place. And I'm not here to say that it's going to happen tomorrow or next year or 100 years from now. But the challenge that I have personally is like, well, if you know how the story's going to end and you can see all the signs are kind of coming together that, that the end may be near. Like, do you, is it even worth getting engaged? Is it even worth fighting back? Is it even worth fighting about? And it's a hard one for me because I know that God has a plan and his plan is going to be what his plan is. And, and I know there's story after story after story in the Bible where, like, God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need me to accomplish any of his purpose. And so there's friction there. Like, am I supposed to fight back? Am I not? Is it Christian to fight back? Is it not? And so I don't necessarily know what the answer is right now, but I'll leave you with this. The Bible says, Jesus simplified the Bible into, as you probably know, even if you're not a Christian, two real commandments. It was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so for me, what I look at and I go, to me, sharing these ideas, sharing these thoughts and these perspectives, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to change the outcome. I'm trying to do it because I love, I'm trying to love my neighbor. I can always be better at loving my neighbor, but I am trying to love my neighbor. Because here's what I know, that when you allow communism to run rampant, and I'm sorry, that is what we are seeing. People don't necessarily know I don't think there's a necessarily this widespread communist conspiracy. But, but what people need to realize, like Black Lives Matter, that gal, she's a trained Marxist. Okay? Marxism, communism is at the door, whether we know it or not. And because I love my neighbor and I'm trying to love my neighbor, I'm trying to share these things to say, listen, if we go down the communism route, if we go down the socialism route, if we go down the route, where we take the free will and the agency and the, the, the reaping what you sow principles out of America, my neighbor will suffer. I will suffer. We will suffer. And so I'm trying to live my life. I am not perfect by any means, but I am trying to live my life in a way where I love God and I trust God and I know that he has a plan and a purpose and that he is in control. And at the same time, love my neighbor whereby I will say, this isn't popular. I'm going to probably get people yelling at me and saying horrible things about me, but we can look at example after example after example where countries and civilizations went down this route 
and it ended very bad for most of the neighbors. And if we really love our neighbor, we'll have the guts to stand up and say, this isn't right. This isn't what we stand for. This isn't who we are. Not because necessarily we're trying to change the outcome as much as that's what I want the, the outcome to be as a changed outcome. But instead, because I'm saying, I can see where this goes. At least I think I can. If you think differently, let's have a conversation. But when I look through history, I see where this goes. And if it goes where it's headed, you as my neighbor will have a harder life. You as my neighbor will suffer. Sometimes, unfortunately, I think that's the thing that God needs. He doesn't need. That's the thing that God uses to turn us around, to bring us back to him. We're dumb that way, <laughs> humans, right? It's like he blesses us and, and we, we take the very things that he blesses us with and we turn them into idols. And then they get taken away. We, we reap what we've sown in that way. And then that's that, the taking away, the, the struggle is what brings us back to what matters. And, and hopefully for lots of us, I know for me, this whole last year has done a lot of that in my life. And so I'm going to keep doing these. I'm going to keep sharing what's on my heart. I'm going to keep trying to do it with a love for my neighbor. And I, I can always get better at that for sure. But I just, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know that that's why I'm doing this. And again, if you have comments or questions or thoughts, uh, I would love to hear them. You can get a hold of me. You can send me a message. You can make it, do a comment, whatever. If, if you like these, it would really help me get that message out there. If you would uh, either hit the thumbs up if you're watching this on YouTube or, or uh, leave a comment ideally a positive comment on any podcast platform you're listening to, uh, listening to it on. And then if you would on YouTube, if you like it, subscribe to the channel and follow along because I'm going to keep doing these. Like I said, I'm trying to finish my house so they're not as frequent as they will be in the future, but I am trying to get to them as I have time. And, and I promise that once my house is done and I moved and I have a normal life again, I will be more consistent with these. So Thanks so much for watching today or listening, however you're consuming this, and uh, I'll see you next time. Take care.